Good evening. How many of you had a good day? It was a nice day today and a lovely day. God blessed us with. I just want to tell you what a blessing it is to hear your singing. I love singing. And the singing here is beautiful. Keep it up. Go for it. Our God is worthy of all the praise that we can give him. There's a song been running through my mind today, and uh, I looked for it in the book. I couldn't find it in the book, but I somehow have the confidence you probably know the song. There is beyond the azure blue. I think that's the first verse. I'm not sure of the order of the verses, but I think there was a long, long time ago a God whose voice the prophets heard. And our God, whose son upon a tree, a life was willing there to give. And what's the next one? I knew it started with secure, but I couldn't get the rest of it. Thank you. Would someone lead that, please? Can we stand and, and sing it?
Lift your glad voices in triumph on notice a phrase in that last song. I hope you were meditating on the words as we sang them. Tremendous message in those hymns. King of glory, reign forever. Thine an everlasting crown. Nothing from thy love shall sever. Nothing from thy love shall sever. Those whom thou hast made thine own, happy, happy objects of thy grace, destined to behold thy face. Hallelujah, 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 amen. Happy objects of thy grace, destined, what a glorious destiny. Amazing grace. If you will, turn again to the book of Ruth. Happy objects of thy grace. Destined to behold thy face. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 says that God has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face, in the face of Jesus Christ. The face of Jesus. What a glorious face. Happy objects of thy grace, destined to behold thy face. Hallelujah. Just meditate on that. That's a nugget worth chewing your cut on, brother. Okay. I talked briefly about the sinner's God last night. I said, behold your God. Tonight, I want to look at a different emphasis, perspective in this same vein. But I want to look at it from a different perspective. One that I did not touch on at all last night. And there's 
lots of them that I did not touch on last night. But I would like to have us focus tonight on the God of all grace. The God of all grace. And as I meditated on this, I looked this afternoon briefly and quickly at some of the greetings Paul gave to the churches he wrote letters to, and most every one of them begins grace and peace. Some say mercy and peace. But most all, grace and peace be unto you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, grace be unto you. I want to point out tonight, in my feeble way, the grace of God. The grace of God. You remember in Exodus chapter 33, where God told Moses, I'll take you and make you of you a, a nation, a people after my own name. And Moses said, no, God, no way. All the heathen nations know how you brought your children out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And if you destroy them and make a, name, a nation of me, all these nations are going to say he did that because he wasn't able to bring his children in. And Moses says, God, will you go with us? And if you don't go with us, I'm not going anywhere. Exodus 33. And then God says, Moses, you got a point. I realize I'm paraphrasing. He says, you got a point. Okay, I'll go with you. And Moses fell on his face. And he says, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And God says, Moses, <laughs> you're not going to be able to handle it. You're not going to be able to handle it. I'm going to hide you in a cleft of the rock. And I'm being merciful, Moses. I'm just giving you what you can handle. All you can take is my backside. And it says, Exodus 34, the Lord came to Moses and he made all his goodness pass before him. And you look there, he declared, the Lord, gracious, long-suffering, merciful, forgiving. Oh, brother and sister, what a God we have. What a mighty God we have. The Jehovah God. And he is the God of all grace. Ruth chapter 2. I'd like to, before reading this, just, well, I'll go ahead and read. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, 
Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto the servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, it is a Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab, and she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came, and hath continued even from the morning until now, that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Blessed, hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art thirst, go unto the vestals, and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face. And bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, Though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and lead them that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even, and beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city, 
And her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today, and where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought, and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And Ruth the Moabitess said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest, end of wheat harvest, and dwelt with her mother-in-law. Now if you recall the story where I left things last night with the story of Ruth and Naomi, two widows coming back into this old, run-down farmhouse, neglected for 10 years, the old homestead. And they move in that place, mice, rats, roaches, and ants. Remember? Going to the cupboards, sitting on the recliners, and here is the young widow says, we got to have something to eat. Ants and roaches, hey, after they've been in there for 10 years, not much left, right? I won't mention mice and rats. Well, I guess I did. But Ruth says, I'm going to glean. And if you would, I'd just like for you to flip back to Leviticus chapter 19 and take a look at verse 9 and 10. And this is God's law for his people. And when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of the field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest. And thou shalt not glean thy vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard. Thou shalt lead them for the poor and stranger. I am the Lord your God. And this is what was happening. Here is Boaz, this mighty man. In him is strength. And he is a mighty man of wealth. And here is Boaz. He's instructed his foreman to instruct the reapers, don't glean the corners. We are going to obey the commandment of Jehovah. You leave that for the stranger and the poor. Yes, sir, boss. I don't think he called him boss. 
from the greeting that they greeted with each other, I see a lot of respect, consideration, kindness. What does Boaz greet his workers with? The Lord be with you. Isn't that a blessing? Have you ever thought about you come into the shop, tell all the workers, the Lord bless you today. The Lord be with you, pardon me. And all the workers say, the Lord bless you. I like that. And then as Boaz goes around checking, making sure things are operating smoothly, and he looks down the corner of the back 40, and he sees a lone figure down there. So he trots over to the foreman of the reapers, and he says, who's, who's in the corner? And he says, oh, that's Ruth the Moabitess. You know, she came back with Naomi from Moab. And she came and asked if she could glean. Hmm. Okay. Boaz thinks a little. Strange woman. Strange culture. Unknown people. But she's made a choice to come back and to get acquainted. She might be scared. She probably feels insecure. She probably feels different. Nobody else came from the land of Moab. I think I'll go down and have a few words with her. So he goes down. Good morning. She stops her gleaning. Good morning. And he says, I just want to tell you, the invitation is open for you to be in my field. And whatever you do, don't go in any other field. I've just begun my harvest and we'll be busy for the next several weeks. And we'll be moving from field to field. And I want you to follow the reapers when they move to the field over yonder. I want you to go there. And you can relax. I've charged the young men not to touch you. You think she had those fears in her heart? I think it's highly possible. I've charged my young men not to touch you. And when you're thirsty, you go and get a drink right from the 10 gallon jug that the reapers are getting their drinks from. I want you to think a little bit. Do you think Ruth had a water jug? 
I don't think so. And do we read in the law that you're instructed to give them an invitation to follow field after field and then invite them to the water jug? I see the grace of God magnified in this chapter. He is going above and beyond the law. He's saying when you're thirsty, you go to the 10-gallon jug and you just help yourself. And she realizes there's something extraordinary going on here. And she says, I'm, I'm not an Israelite. I'm a Moabite. Why are you being so kind? Why are you being so gracious? Why are you being so thoughtful? And she falls on her face and says, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me and notice, seeing I am a stranger? How many of you have ever struggled with the sense of feeling different? Different? I'm not like everybody else. Others are different than what I am. I'm, I'm different. Why? I want to point something out here. Boaz said, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done. What would you say? What would your emotion be if someone told you, It's been fully shown me all that you have done? I want to remind you, God knows all that you have done. It hath fully been shown him. There is nothing hidden from the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Brother and sister, in this little portion of scripture, I see the grace of God. How many of you have done something that you deeply regret? And it's bothered your conscience. And you know you have done wrong. Maybe you got angry at your wife, your child, your boss, your employee. And afterwards, say, why did I do that? And you regret it, right? You regret it. You know what I'm talking about? He said, I wish I would have never done that. Notice. It hath fully been shown me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. And somehow, Look at what is actually being said here. He is noticing the costly choices that she has made. 
the costly choices she has made and giving recognition to the regret and the remorse and the suffering, the sorrow of the former life that she had lived. And I might be wrong, but it seems to me he was maybe getting a big lump in his throat long about now as he looks at the choices that she's made. And he says, the Lord recompense thy work. Do you see the outpouring of sorrow, grace, compassion, pity, mercy? The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. And then she says, let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord. I think those were some of the most comforting words she ever had heard in her life. And she says, let me find favor. You have comforted me by your friendly tone of voice. You have comforted me with the words of compassion and gentleness and tenderness and kindness. I'd just like to make a comparison, okay? You don't read anything here about Boaz. Well, you so-and-so Moabite, what in the world are you doing here in our country, in this place, and in my field? Okay. None of that. None of that. And this is just the beginning, brother and sister. This is just the beginning. Notice Boaz says to her, at lunchtime, you come and sit with the reapers and you eat what they are eating and you dip in the same bowl that they are dipping in. Place I was for supper tonight had a vegetable dish and then behind the vegetable dish they sent a dip. Okay? Can you picture that scenario? And here is Boaz saying, you help yourself to the vegetables and feel fright, welcome, help yourself to the dip. What grace is being poured out on this gleaner? It's awesome. And that's not all. table where I was tonight, not just tonight, but I'm just using that for an example. It's been the same other places I've been. He reached her parched corn. Okay, she was getting the morsels, dipping in the vinegar. But there's parched corn she hadn't helped herself to. And he reaches a bowl of parched corn and says, Welcome to this as well. Welcome to this. Parched corn. And she did eat and was sufficed 
and left. And we read later on that somewhere along the way, she stuck some parched corn, or can I say a sandwich, in her pocket because she was thinking about Mama back home. And she was going to take a snack or something for supper for her mother-in-law. Okay, she eats and she's full, and I think she's revived. You see revival. She's revived. She goes back to gleaning. And in her absence, now look, in her absence, Boaz says, time for a huddle, guys. All you workers, come here. All the workers come around. He calls for a meeting. They come around and he says, listen, you let her glean among the sheaves and don't reproach her. And what does that mean? Glean among the sheaves. The law says you harvest everything but the corners. Now, if you were in that field, how many of you would like to glean after the combine's gone through? We call it scrapping corn. <laughs> okay? Now, let's just say the reapers are going through, combine's going this direction, and the back of the combine is towards you, and you are supposed to be gleaning behind the combine. Do you think there would be a temptation? Well, he's headed that way. Go over here and get some grain prior to the combine having gone through. That's what it's saying. It's saying if you see her going over there and helping herself, don't reproach her. Don't say, law says the corner. What are you doing in the middle? Don't reproach her. You leave her be. And then he says, I want you to get a load of this. Also, when you're going down through there, you drop a pile. You drop a pile on purpose. Intentionally on purpose. You leave a little pile. You take 10 more feet and you leave another pile. And then maybe you go three feet and leave another pile. And then maybe you go 12 feet and leave another pile. And you are to leave all these piles for her to glean and rebuke her not. And can you imagine? Here's this gleaner coming along, gleaning, picking up the scraps, and all of a sudden, Here's a pile. And she puts it in her bag. Handfuls on purpose. And when she comes back to her mother-in-law, her mother-in-law knows something unusual has been happening. It's not normal or typical for a gleaner to come back with what she came back with. And she says... Ruth, where in the world were you working today? 
So, well, I went into this field. I think the man's name was Boaz. And Naomi says, Blessed be he of the Lord. You've done exceptionally well. Well done, Ruth. We've got some bread. And Ruth says, you know what else he said? He said, I'm supposed to stay in his fields to the end. Naomi says, great. You stay in his fields. Don't go in any other field. You follow right after him. Don't go in any other field. Brother and sister, there's a lesson for us as believers here. God does not want us going in any other field than his field of grace. Grace. And sometimes we can unknowingly, unintentionally venture into the field of works or the field of the flesh like Paul wrote to the Galatians chapter 3 verse 3 having begun in the spirit are ye made perfect by the flesh in other words going into another field let me just try to put it to you this way here she is saying you are not going to find any better field any place in Bethlehem or anywhere else. You stay in that field of grace. Don't go anywhere else. And said, it's good if his workers or maidens do not find you in any other field. Please, please, Ruth, don't let them find you in any other field. This is the law of Jehovah. They are supposed to leave so we can glean. And you stay fast by that field. Now what does that mean? As I see it, it means this. I've been staying at Merlin's. And how would you feel and how would Merlin's feel if I say... I'm sick and tired being down in this basement all by myself. I'm, I'm, I'm going Fairfield in, wherever, you know. Hey, I love it down in that basement. I'll tell you what, it is great. It, I couldn't ask for anything better. So I don't want to think about Fairfield. It couldn't come close, okay? Or if... The meals that you have prepared for me. If I were to say, I'm scheduled to come to your place, you know, Boaz scheduled her to go in his field. When they go, she's supposed to go. You schedule me to go to your place, and I say, Well, uh, I'm, I'm not up to what they got. I'm, I'm going to. What is that place out in Boston? Some kind of a delight, what is it? Uh, uh, Italian delight or something. Uh, how would that make you feel? 
That's the point here, okay? Stay in the field of grace. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. Grace, grace, marvelous grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, was blind, blinded by the God of this world, brother and sister. But now I see the light of the world is Jesus. Jesus. And I mentioned to you earlier things I'm sharing with you. I'm taking from the book of Ruth. But my goal and heart's desire, brother and sister, is to glorify God. To bring glory to Jesus. Glory to his name. Down at the cross where my Savior died. Down where for cleansing from sin I cried. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. But my life story is woven in this scenario. And I don't want to call attention to me at all. I want to call attention to Jesus, lover of my soul. Let me to thy bosom fly. While the near waters roll, while the tempest still is high. I know what it's like to feel different, to be different. I felt that way. My daddy was killed in an auto accident along with my sister, who was next older than me. I was nine, she was 11 and a half, and my daddy was about 40 and a half. I was in the accident along with my brother and another sister. My brother and I were in the hospital for about a week. And there in that hospital bed, I learned my dad and my sister were gone. Nine years old. Yes, I wept and I wept and I wept. We were in the hospital for about a week. I felt I'm the boy without a dad. I'm different. I'm different. I'm not like the other boys. I don't have a daddy. All my friends had daddies. I was different. Just a long story short, I got bitter. I got angry. I had a real temper problem. Things I struggled with, wrestled with, bitter against God. You see, Satan blinds the minds. No peace, no joy, no purpose. A lot of things that happened as a result of that. Circumstances I was thrown into 
unable to control or do anything about. Remember the comments I made the opening evening? Things that happen beyond and out of our control. God is gracious. God is good. And you notice it says her hap was to light on the field that belonged to Boaz. And I'd like to put it to you this way tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, I'm different. I'm not like other people are. I got different problems. I got different struggles. And you're sighing and you're crying about the struggles that you have touches the heart of God. You don't believe it? Exodus chapter 3, if I have it correctly. The end of the chapter where the Egyptians were oppressing the children of Israel. And they sighed and they cried by reason of the bondage. It does not say in that context that they prayed. They sighed and they cried by reason of the bondage. And says, God heard their groaning. And God had respect. And God told Moses, I have heard their cry. I have seen their affliction. I've heard their groaning. And I have come down to deliver them. Tears are our language. God understands. For the sake of time tonight, I'm not going into a lot of detail other than there came a time and there are individuals in your life and my life, reapers, that God has sent across our life. You are born and you are here. You did not choose when you came and you did not choose where you're family was that you're living into, but your hap was to live and to enter time in the realm of grace. All of us are in the realm of grace. That's beautiful. And grace will do for us what nothing else will, brother and sister. The grace of God Paul writes to Titus, chapter 2, verse 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. The grace of God and the God of all grace. Brother and sister, I remember the terrible influence and pressure that Satan could exert. And I remember, brother and sister, and the grace of God, handfuls on purpose. You know what handfuls on purpose are? They're the things, Brother David, if my memory serves me right, didn't you read Second Peter chapter 1 the other evening in the devotional? And what was some of the things that he read there? Having given, given, let him drop. Let them drop. Having given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That's God's handful on purpose. That by these, something can happen. Handfuls on purpose. 
and Jesus ministered grace to this hurting, wounded, grieving heart. Thank you, Brother Nathan, for the devotional. Jesus stopped. Jesus heard as he did. And Jesus healed. Jesus healed. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set at liberty the captive. Jesus delights to do that. Brother and sister, don't let Satan make you believe that your situation is different from anybody else. Your situation is no different. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all in this together. We're no different. Don't let Satan keep you back. And you say, well, I'm not good enough. Brother and sister, stop trying. Don't try to be good enough. God wants to pour his grace out on you because you're bad. Because you're bad and because I'm bad, God wants to give us his grace. He knows we're bad. And that's why he sent Jesus. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to deliver us. You read Isaiah 61. He has sent me to deliver the captives and to heal the brokenhearted. And I want to tell you tonight, brother and sister, Jesus is a professional. I'll tell you what, when he forgives, when he restores, when he heals, he does it in style. Maybe you don't like that terminology, but for failure to try to express what I've experienced. In other words, it's whole, it's complete, it is thorough. There's no reservation. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's power in the blood. Yes. Jesus, in him is strength. Remember. In him is strength, Boaz. He's got the power. And he can do what we need to have done to us, providing we cooperate with him. I want to encourage you, cooperate with Jesus. He has your highest and best good at heart. Jeremiah 29, 11. I'm sure you're familiar with that, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to give you an expected and a good end. That's Jesus. I'm going to close. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your reverence. Thank you for letting me share, unload. I feel I've only scratched the surface, brother and sister, but hopefully... Hopefully, it's been a bit of an appetizer for you. I hope 
there's not a friend like Jesus in the trying scenes of life. He can hear the heart's faint whisper, calm the tempest's raging strife. There is not a friend like Jesus bid the scoffing world to do. For if you're ashamed of Jesus, he will be ashamed of you. There is not a friend like Jesus. Trust him everywhere you go. He has trod the way before you, suffered every pain and woe. There is not a friend like Jesus when you draw your life's last breath. If you'll be his friend while living, he will be your friend in death. There is not a friend like Jesus. What a blessed thought to be. Folded, folded in his arms of power ever in eternity. Don't miss it, brother and sister. Let's not miss it. Let's band together because of the grace of God. Let's love the Lord our God with all our heart. And let's encourage each other. We're marching to Zion. Are we not? Come, we that love the Lord. We're marching to Zion. Can we stand and sing that together? And sing it like we mean it. Like it's a reality. Would you leave, please? <laughs>